Good morning. Did you get your seed catalog yet? I'm not talking about the farming. I'm talking about the garden. You know, you didn't? Did the robins come back in your yard? We had robins on my wife's birthday on Monday, wasn't it? You folks just don't live right down here. That, that's got to be it. <laughs> well, I have a quiz for you, of course. I'm getting kind of tired. You guys are always figuring these out. So this one's going to be, I guarantee you, after I ask you, you're going to groan. She's right back there. Well, all right. What's the difference between a trunk full of gold and a quiz about cheese? You'll never get this. Just never. It's really, it's really not fair, but I, I'm just tired of losing all the time. What'd you say? Cottage cheese? Oh. You want me to ask it again? Will that help? What's, <laughs> What's the difference between a trunk full of gold and a quiz about cheese? One's a treasure chest, and the other is a cheddar test. I knew that would happen. I told you you were gonna you're gonna groan, but at least I won that one. Been so long since I tasted victory that I was getting a little discouraged about it. You guys are just getting too sharp. Anyway, <clears throat> gonna take a break from Revelation for the next uh, week or two. But today I, I uh, want you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter twenty-one, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Numbers. 21, Israel is on its way to the promised land. They've been delivered miraculously from the slavery of Egypt, and here they were, three million strong probably, marching in a desert and uh, all on foot, and they travel right up to the doorstep of the promised land, and the descendants of Esau, whose name was Edom, would not let them go through their land. Verse 4, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, because they wouldn't let them pass. They had to, they had to go around it. And the soul of the people was much discouraged, because of the way. And if you'd have been there on foot in a desert, have to backtrack over where you've already been for days and weeks, you would uh, you'd probably feel a little down about it as well. So in your notes, can you fill out that, that top uh, line? Here's another quiz for a second chance. Lord, I'm tired, weary, and... 
Tiffany said, what? Yeah, out of gas. It took two of you to get it, though. I'm tired and weary and out of gas, see, because it's a wonderful thing to come to know Christ as your Savior, and you're walking with Him, and you see Him work, uh, and you have fellowship with Him, and and uh, you're part of the body of Christ, and and also the local church, and you're walking in 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 this life, and uh, you soon learn that uh, there are times when you just feel empty. Your batteries are low, and uh, uh, I think at this time, these people here were lower than a snake's belly. And so I want to talk about the thing at times when our batteries seem low. What does the Bible say about what to do? And then maybe something on what not to do, because this happens to everybody, people. There's no such thing as super saints, because somewhere along the line, you're going to feel like, wait a minute here, I need, I need some strength from the Lord here. I, I'm facing this, or I did that, or this and that. Here's uh, four reasons why it happens in our lives, and there's many others, but the first one is because it happens because of the journey of life, the journey of life. I mean, these people had to backtrack. It wasn't their fault. And not only that, but if you sneak over to 1 Kings 19, and we're going to look at four people here in these four. We're going to look at Elijah and then Paul, Peter, and, uh, and David. Because they all experienced this, and you and I, I'm sure if... Uh, You've been around long enough and known the Lord long enough. There are times where you, you have experienced really low points. In 1 Kings 19, 4 through 7, a guy named Elijah just had a tremendous victory on Mount Carmel. All the pagan uh, prophets of Baal and all uh, the evilness of King Ahab. The Bible says Ahab was the, there was none like Ahab who sold himself to do evil, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. So they were quite a team, weren't they? Well, anyway, it was a great victory, but now Jezebel said, I'm going to have your head by tomorrow at this time. So he was naturally a little afraid, but if you journey with me to verse 4 of 1 Kings 19, you'll see what happened here? He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. Now, does it get any lower than that? And, uh, and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. Then an angel came and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals, a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because, here it is, the journey is too great for you. And so the problem is that we need not to face, as a believer, we, 
We don't dare face the journey of life without His guidance and strength and uh, His His presence. And uh, later on, Elijah said, I'm the only one left. And God says, you're not the only one left. I've got 7,000 in Israel that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You don't, you know, you're not. But the journey of life, I remember as a young man, and uh, I was in my first church in Hamilton, Michigan, uh, when I decided that uh, I'm going to start running and kind of training for these. All around me, there was these what they call 10,000-meter races at 6.2 miles, in case you don't know. And uh, so I decided to do that. And so I would train, uh, got up to a couple miles and three, and then I was doing four miles a day. And I got some men in my church interested, and so we were just having a quite a time. And I remember when the first day of the race came, and uh, man, everybody was there, was four or 500 people just, ah, yeah, yeah. we're all stretching and looking at each other and saying, my, aren't we great? And... Uh, so we all took off at the gun, you know, and and the first mile, everybody's excited, and second mile, you're starting to get a little winded. And mile four and five weren't too bad because you could see the end, but you know what was the worst? It was the middle part. It was the it was the third and fourth miles where you'd hit what we used to call the brick wall. And you wondered if you should just quit and walk the rest of the way. or And you had to kind of gut yourself through that. And uh, it, was a, it was a toughest, I guess, part of it. And it was part of the journey of what we were doing at that time. And whatever, wherever you're at in your life, uh, the journey of life can get to you. And you have to be careful to maintain your relationship with the Lord. So some things we just can't help. The journey of life takes us there. We can't explain it. We don't know the reason, but we're there. That's one of the reasons why we get tired, weary, and out of gas. Number two, it happens because of the war of our flesh. Paul experienced that, the war of our flesh. It's no excuse. God has given everything to us to provide us with victory. He gives us the, the Word of God, the indwelling Holy Spirit, the interceding Christ who's praying for you. All of these things He gives you and me to have victory over the old nature. So, that's, that's, so there's no excuse. But sometimes the war of, the, uh, of our flesh wears us down. And Paul realized that in Romans 7, when he said, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things that I want to do, I, I end up not doing. Or you could say the, the sin of commission and the sin of omission. And, uh, and so Paul realized the struggle. Number three, it happens because of a failure or specific sin. Now, Peter had that problem in Luke 22. And you remember when in verse 60 <clears throat> through 62, 
When Peter denied the Lord, remember? And Peter said, Man, I know not what you say. And immediately while he yet spoke, he yet spoke the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the cock crows, You will deny me three times. And here's the next verse. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. He failed. I don't know of any Christian who hasn't failed, made a bad choice, or succumbed to a specific sin of some kind, and maybe they had victory over, and then that ugly thing returned, and uh, it makes you low because you know better. And whenever I fail, especially as a father, I, I remember jumping to confusions a few times, raising my daughters before I had all the facts. And, uh, and you know, and then I'd have to go, go to them and apologize and ask forgiveness and look for a barrel or a log I could crawl under for a while. But sometimes it can be a failure of proportions that bring you low. Peter wept bitterly. Number four. Are you still with me? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, number four. By the way, I left you a spot there. You know, this failure to be a good Christian, to be a good worker, to be a good parent, um, to be a good whatever, and then you put your own reason in there. Speaking of parenthood, I was reading here a while back about somebody who said that they had six theories of good parenting, and then they had six children and then no theories. <laughs> what an adventure, huh? Number four, it happens because of circumstances. Now, I need you to see this in Scripture. In, uh, that's found in First King, First Samuel 30. First Samuel 30. David and his men were out of the camp. Uh, and all that was left basically was some old folks and the wives and children. And so here comes a group of people. Um, called the Amalekites. Let me get it to you in verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag, that's where they, they camped, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were in it. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Now how would you feel? coming back to a burned-out home and city and camp, and your wives were gone. Verse 3, So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept, listen now, until they had no more power to weep. They cried themselves out. 
And David's two wives were taken captives. Verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Now how much lower can you get? You lost your family uh, to captivity, and now your own men were picking up stones looking at you, blaming you. So we find then in verse, uh, continuing in verse 6, because the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now we're going to stop there, keep your finger there. And then we're going to look at this warning. And then we're going to look at what to do. All right? Here's the warning. Never, ever, ever make a major decision when you are halt. You know what it stands for? Quiz number three. Hungry, angry, and the last one is tired, and the third one is lonely. Here's where people make mistakes when they're down on the bottom of the barrel through either a failure or whatever these reasons that we've listed. They make a major decision. So when you're starving or you're angry or you're lonely or you're tired, halt and just wait. And bring it to the Lord. I think, you know, here are some things that you can do, you and I can do as a Christian to get out of the slew of despondency. Are you ready? The first one is found in the last verse of what we just looked at. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, how do you do that? I think David got alone with the Lord, and you and I need to do this too. And I think there were three specific things I don't have down here, but that I think there were three specific things he did to encourage himself in the Lord. And the first thing he did, I think, was to remember how God worked in his life before. You know, some things we're to forget, but we're never to forget how God worked in other times in your life. This is such a key for me. If I'm down about something, I have to remember what God has done in the past. Was he faithful back then? Yes. Will he be faithful now? Yes. We've got to remember who He is and what He's done in the past. And that way you can encourage yourself in the Lord. And I think the second thing He did was praise Him and thank Him. I don't know if you pay attention to what we sang today, but those praise choruses and even the, the hymns. Uh, you know, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Who wrote that? Fanny Crosby. What do you know about Fanny Crosby beside the fact that she wrote hymns and loved the Lord? She was blind. She was blind. And that didn't stop her. 
and uh, some of these other songs. I, I was paying attention. It matches perfect to what we're talking about. When you start thanking God in everything, like it says in Thessalonians, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Not for everything. Some things are tough. Uh, I mean, there are times when, when uh, it's hard to thank the Lord for something, but during that time you can thank Him for His many promises and presence at that time. And then the third thing I think David did was pray. Just pray. Just get alone with the Lord and pray. Amazing what happens. You know, a lot of these things, you know, especially, you know, when I go back to number three of some kind of failure in our life, that can get you so down, and the devil knows it. And uh, these things on what to do are so important. Kind of reminds me, you know, get together in prayer and, or, you know, pray. Uh, one guy decided that he, as he laid awake one night, he was going to pray and he said, Lord, where have I gone wrong? Then a voice came out of nowhere and said, this is going to take more than one night. <laughs> that poor fellow. You know who said that? Charlie Brown in one of those little comics, one of those little comic books. Anyway, we can't let that, we can't forget what God has done. We just can't because it's a mistake if we do. Number two, take Jesus at his word. Oh, I love these verses. By the, by the way, these are the college where I taught, and uh, which is, I think, one of the best uh, Bible colleges around at Frontier School of the Bible in LaGrange, Wyoming, they had on their logo this verse. They had verse 29 of Matthew 11, and we'll get to that in a minute. But verse 28, remember the words of Jesus, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is that true? And then this one, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those are the, the school verse, verses, and they have a picture of a yoke on there, and it's a, it's a great school. Anyway, take Jesus at his word. He said, come. Why? Because his shoulders are bigger than yours. Amen. This is God's invitation to tired people. Also good salvation verses too when you're sharing with someone who doesn't know the Lord. Did you fill that in, tired people? Did you get that down there? You still paying attention? That's good. Number three, you, you got to draw on God's grace. Draw on this. My grace is sufficient for you. That's what God told Paul when he asked three times that God would take away some of the things that were that were uh, that was a thorn in the flesh for Paul and 
God says, no, I'll give you the grace. What does that mean? It means that there is a special enabling power. Write that down somewhere. A special enabling power that can only come from your Lord during the times when you need it worst. You just draw on God's grace. It's unlimited. And then number five, four. Did I say five? Yeah. Well, listen to what I mean, not what I say. Somebody once said that, I guess. Number four. You need to claim this. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. Now, I got Isaiah 40, 41.10 there, and that's the secondary verse. Somehow I forgot to put the primary verse in there. The secondary verse, Isaiah 41.10, it's in your notes, says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Because we need it at times, don't we? We're going to be anything. We've got to be honest. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Okay, the, the primary verse is across the page, Isaiah 40, verse 29. Actually, verse 28, Have you not known, have you not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary? You know, <laughs> There's a big difference between you and God, isn't it? <laughs> he doesn't get tired and out of gas. Verse 29, He gives power to the faint and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall utterly fall. But they, catch it now, that wait upon the Lord. And another word for that is hope. Okay shall renew their strength. That's what we're talking here, a little renewal. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Somewhere in there, you just need to write down, He will give you strength. He'll give you strength. Because you're never alone. He said he'd never leave you. He knows you're inside and out. He knows what problems you have today, and he knows what they will be tomorrow. He knows where you've blown it. There's no sense in trying to sweep it under the rug or hide it. He knows all about it. Yet he still loves you and me. Yeah, what a friend we have in Jesus. Someone once told me the definition of a friend is someone who knows everything about you and is still your friend. So, we need to claim this, to wait upon the Lord and renew our strength and see what He can do. So, conclusion, turn to Galatians 6. Are you there? You know these verses, some practical things. Galatians 6, verse 9, Paul says this. Let us not be weary 
in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We are to do good to all but a special measure goes to our brothers and sisters in Christ. As we have opportunity, keep on keeping on. So down there in the bottom, as Christians, we need to remember who He is and never quit or give up. I'm not saying you can't switch gears. When I retired six years ago, I switch gears. There's some things I just can't handle anymore, can't do anymore. I realize that. I just do what I can. And the Lord Lord uses you. We don't throw in the towel. We can switch gears. I understand that. But keep on keeping on. I say that to you as a church family now. Keep on keeping on. When you get your new pastor... Encourage him much and, and uh, keep on working with your children and one another and, and uh, in the church. And God will bless. And remember, always remember, let's not be weary in well-doing. Because there's a way out. When we get tired, when we get lonely, when we get angry, all those things. Not make a hasty decision, but draw near to Him because that's where the strength and power is. You know, Jesus didn't quit, did He? He went to the cross all the way. And the Lord will be with you all the way as well. Well, let's pray. Thank You, Lord, for our time together. And we want to be honest with ourselves and with you and and uh, there are times when our batteries just flat out run low and we feel out of gas and so lord i pray that as we've gone through some reasons why that we won't use them for excuses but that we'll see that there is a way out and whatever the journey of life or the war of our flesh or the failure that we've experienced or, or the circumstances we find ourselves in, we know that you're God. And I pray everyone would, at, that, at those times especially, learn to encourage themselves in the Lord. Remember who you are. Remember how you've worked in the past. And continue to praise Him and to pray. And I thank you for Jesus' invitation to come. All of us who are weary and will find rest in him. Thank you for your grace that you give, that enabling power that only you can give. And we'll thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen.